Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you've already done. Miracles have already happened in this house. You're such a good, good God. You are for us. Who can be against us? You've called us worthy. You've called us righteous. You've washed away our sins and called us sons and daughters of the most high God. We are royalty. We thank you, God, that you use us to reach people. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence here. Would you use me this morning to be your mouthpiece? Father God, I want to articulate your heart this morning. Speak through me. Make my word so prophetic to each one of us, to what we need to hear. We, we open our ears. We open our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes to see and hear what you're saying and what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, as we leave today, we will never be the same because we're in your presence. Because your word is living and breathing and sharper than two, a two-edged sword that goes into our heart to heal us, teach us, restore us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This morning I want to talk about being a friend of God. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans 8. We had a busy week. We have another teenager in our house. Abigail turned 13 yesterday. Our house was full of teenagers, and I love it. It gets better and better with our kids. Most days. Romans 8, I'm going to start, um, I'm going to read 15 and 16 to start. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. And it says, so you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should instead behave like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him father, dear father, or Abba father is another translation. For the Holy Spirit speaks deep into our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. I want to read that in the Passion Translation real quick. I love how the Passion Translation says it. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into fear of never being good enough. Praise the Lord. But you've received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. You will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within you, our spirits join with him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us by whispering into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Powerful. We're adopted into the family. We are God's children. First and foremost, we are God's kids. It's just who we are. You can't earn it. It's just who we are, and he just loves us so much. But when 
when our kids start growing up, they mature. And, and I, I've gotten to experience this with my parents. Now that I'm older and wiser, I realize that the world isn't all about me. <laughs> you know, as kids, your world is kind of small and you're needy, and you have a lot of stuff going on, and your parents take care of you. But as you grow up, you realize, wow, the world is bigger than me. And, and I have now have this relationship with my parents that has matured, that it's almost like they're my friends now. It, it's so crazy to say that, but my mom is like my best friend. I just love my parents, and, and you mature as kids, and so you have this relationship where you are their kid, but you're their friend. And you start caring about their hearts. And it's the same with God. As we grow in maturity, as children of God, we start caring about what God cares about when we become a friend of God, a confidant of God. It's crazy to say, but God has mysteries and secrets that he wants to reveal to us. He loves us as kids, but he loves kids' friends too. Kids' friends as well. That, that mature relationship. I have a really strong-willed child. Does anybody have a strong-willed child? Yeah. And I tell her so often, you're going to end up being my best friend. You know, you battle me now, but I know one day you're going to be my best friend. I just know how it's going to work out. Because, you know, she has such strong character. Do I need to move to the other one, or is it this? My hair. I can do the handheld if I need Okay, I can move to the other one. Is that good? All right, let's see how this is. If not, we were having problems last week, too. Well, that's going to be impossible. But as you mature, as you realize what it's like to be a child of God, like Maria was saying, there's such a gratitude that you want to repay the kindness. It's so overwhelmingly good being a child of God that, and you mature that you care about what God cares about. There's a season where you're just kind of learning and you're self-absorbed and selfish, not in a bad way. You just don't know a lot. But God wants us to grow into being a friend of God. It's, it's so crazy to even think about it. But God longed for us to be his friend. God has thousands and thousands of angels and created beings worshiping him. But he longs for relationship. Yeah. Somebody that he can tell secrets and mysteries to and share his heart with and that we can bounce it off to. You know, to be a good friend, it's not one-sided. Sometimes you have this friendship that's all about that person. The friendship doesn't go very deep because it's give and take and give and take, but it's the same with the Lord. He wants us to grow into this relationship where we become friends. Okay, so let's, let's go on. I want to continue to read this. Um, in verse 8, of we're, we're in Romans. I read 15 and 16, but I want to read 17 now. It says, and since we are his children... We will share in his treasures, for everything God gives to his son, Christ, is ours too. Another translation, and Wendy said this, we're co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is God's is ours. That, that's just amazing. 
But then it goes on to say, but if we share in his glory, we, almost, we also share in his suffering. We love the part about sharing in the glory. <laughs> but that suffering, like, like what does that mean? And there's been some crazy doctrine and theology about this word suffering. So I want to talk about this a little bit. What does it mean to suffer? Oh, great. Now I did it. So I want to talk about this scripture, suffering. But before I tell you the original definition, because here's the thing. You know, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek, and Aramaic. So, you know, we, it's been translated over the years. So they try to use the best word, English word or Spanish word or whatever translation it is. But really to understand what God is saying, we have to go back in the original language. Because there's about 15 definitions and they'll choose one word. So I want to talk about what God is really saying about if we share in the glory. In other scriptures, we get all the glory, but also we have to share in the suffering. What does that mean? So we have to share in his suffering. How does God suffer? How does God suffer? Let, let me ask you that first. Does God suffer? Is God sick? No. There, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no sickness in the kingdom of God. Sickness is not suffering for Jesus. It doesn't even make sense because by his stripes we were healed. He was beaten and bruised so we could be healed. So suffering for God, sharing suffering doesn't mean we should get sick from time to time. It gives God glory. And there's doctrine on that. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even line up with the word of God. Does it mean to suffer, to share in suffering doesn't mean we should be poor? Is God poor? Well, he became poor that we might become rich. Poverty does not at all glorify the Lord. I, I have spent time in Africa, in Mexico, in Romania, all over the world, and I have seen poverty. The first time I went to Africa, I had never experienced that type of poverty. I mean, I had been in Tijuana and different places. I had never seen poverty like that, that I physically couldn't handle it. It took me about two weeks to adjust to what my eyes saw. I am telling you, poverty gives no glory to the Lord. That is not suffering for Christ. What about being unworthy? Unworthy sinners. Does is this give glory to the Lord? Is this suffering for the Lord? We just read he adopted us into a family. He died so he could adopt us and give us ownership, sonship. So when we suffer for Christ and say, oh, I'm so unworthy, I'm so unworthy, I'm a nobody. Does this give glory to God? It literally is spitting on the cross. I mean, I am just going to say it. He paid such a price that we could feel worthy. Every single one of us. You are so accepted by the Lord. We are so accepted. On our worst day and the worst time, he loves us so much. And it's instant adoption. It doesn't take time. It doesn't, if you behave, he'll accept you. It's like an instant adoption into the family. Everything that is Jesus Christ is ours. He's wealthy. And I'm not just talking about material things because that is the least of the kingdom. He's wealthy of joy, peace, healing. I mean, everything that we could ever need or want, we have in Christ Jesus. 
And God says it's all yours. So what does it mean that if we share in the glory, we have to share in the suffering? How did Jesus suffer? How does Jesus suffer? So I want to talk about this. Suffering in the scripture, if you look it up, it means to feel the pain or sympathize with somebody. God is calling us into, well, one, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're calling, he's calling us into a family. But also, in that family, he's calling us into relationship, friendship with God, that we could feel his heart and sympathize what's on his heart. Having a relationship where it's not just all about us. I mean, it is so easy to just get stuck in the glory, right? It's all about me. It's so good. The promises are so good. Me and my family, as long as we're good. But there's so much more than that. We get to share in the suffering of Christ, meaning we get to feel the heartbeat of God. We get to lend our heart to God and say, what is on your heart? What is on your mind? How can I serve you today? You're so good to me. The promises are so good. How can I, what uh, Maria said, give back some of the kindness? Not because we have to, because we want to, because we're so in love with him, being a friend with him. Experience God's heart. Feel what he feels. Know the longing of his heart. You know, as children, when they're little, they shouldn't have to feel the burdens or concerns of parents. And it's really sad because a lot of kids have to carry the weight for their parents. Young kids. It breaks my heart. But when we mature and we grow, it's actually an honor to love on your parents. I I look for ways to love on my parents. I'm so grateful for what they've done in my life. Blessing my parents in the natural is one of my favorite things to do. My mom will call me. She said, Kara, stop sending me gifts. I I, I don't like it because she feels like she's taking from me. I said, Mom, it's my honor. Let me sow into you. Honor your parents and you'll have a long life. It's, It's easy for me because I have good parents. I know it's a lot harder if you haven't had good parents. But I'm going to tell you, Father God is the best parent. And sowing and ministering to the Lord. Do you know that we're called to minister to the Lord? We're not called to. We get to minister to the Lord. It's through worship. It's through loving one another. So what is is on God's heart? So let's read a couple scriptures. Suffering for Christ. How did Jesus suffer? There's some ways that Jesus suffered in the Bible, but one was persecution, speaker of truth. Jesus says, they hate me, they're probably going to hate you. A lot of people love us, but you know, if you speak truth, people might hate you. Persecution, there is no promise that we will never be persecuted. That's the only thing. There's promises of healing, of, of prosperity, of peace. But there's nothing that says you will never be persecuted. Jesus actually said you will probably be persecuted for my sake. That's one way. The other way that Jesus suffered is, read, I want you to go with me to Matthew 9. I know you guys are all curious, like, how did he suffer? People's choices make us suffer, and our own choices can make us suffer. But God is a redeemer of all things. Uh, Matthew 9, let's start with verse 35. 
It says, when Jesus, I'm going to read 35 through 38. When Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers in the field. This, this pity in the original language says this deep um, ache in his soul, deep ache in his innermost being for people and their problems. He suffered seeing people at the hands of the enemy. He hated the work of the enemy, and he suffered by seeing people suffer. This is what is on God's heart. People and them suffering. So when we suffer for Christ, that word doesn't really mean suffer. It means sympathize, feel his pain for people, and do something about it. That is being a friend of God, being a child of God, but being a friend of God. That we can sympathize. That God, you could lend your heart to God and he could put somebody on your heart and you could actually feel his pain for somebody. That you would maybe normally not know, but you just feel that person needs prayer. That person needs help. That person needs something. You're feeling God's heart and you're loving on him. Jesus, in the Bible it says, um, Jesus like, you know, Come into my kingdom because when I needed a cup of water, you gave me a cup of water. And when I was hungry, you gave me food. And you visited me in the prison. And, and they said, Jesus, when did you ever need water? When did you ever need food? And he goes, if you've done to the least of these, you've done it to me. Do you want to know how we love on God? Loving on each other. Relieving the pain and the misery of people in the world who are suffering under the hand of the enemy. He is defeated. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, it says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. We know this, right? He's a new creation. All things have passed away and everything becomes new. But then it goes on to say, because we've been reconciled with God. And now we have been given the ministry. Say, I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. He wants us to reconcile and reconcile people to him until he returns. It's our ministry to reconcile people to him, that we would sympathize, feel the heart of God. Jason, your worship was just amazing. I, I felt God's heart over you. It's so pure, Jason. And, and um, I saw the wisdom of God come upon your life. You are going to be wiser than the peers around you. I saw you giving wisdom and advice to, to people even older than you. People are going to look to you because you have the wisdom of God. You have the mind of Christ. He's renewing your mind to his mind. He's just going to drop things and people are like, how do you know that? It's because you have the mind of Christ. And I saw the wisdom of God come upon. The knowledge of this world has nothing on the wisdom of God. I just, he's so proud of you. He's so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you for worshiping recklessly because it sets us all free to do that so childlike. It's going to be so good. 
It's going to be so good. You have no idea what God's going to do. It's like you're going to be such a testimony, such a testimony. Um, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You know, being a son and daughter of God is amazing. We're called to rule and reign. Revelation 1.6 says we are kings and priests, kings and priests. It's amazing. Jesus did it so well. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, yet he came down to be with the people. And it gets messy being a priest, but it doesn't get better than that. When Jesus comes back and rules and reigns on this earth, there's no reconciling that needs to be done. Everything will be reconciling. We will be kings and ruling over nations with Christ Jesus. Did you know that? But right now, we have got to lay down our lives to reconcile, be the priesthood, the royal priesthood of Jesus Christ, because this is what is on his heart. We can't do it well if we don't first know that we're kings. And I know that's masculine, but you know, we're spirit. We're kings. We've got to know our identity. Being a son and being a king knows our identity, who we are, so that we can confidently be priests. It's like people want to be one or the other. You know, you see people that, that get the identity and get all the promises of God, and they become pretty self-absorbed. But then you see the other side where they're unworthy and we just have to serve God and I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, and I need to suffer. And it's like, no, those kind of priests, that kind of ministry actually hurts a lot of people because there's no identity set. We're kings and priests and we get to serve the Lord set in this identity that I'm co-heirs with Christ. Everything of his is mine. So if God tells me to give, if I, I give peace, I give joy, I give wisdom, I give resources, I clear out my bank account, he's going to fill it right back up. There's no lack. There's no lack. Nothing scares me because, uh, you know, I have a mansion in heaven. I like, I'm good. You know, he just replenishes everything we need that we can give because we have the ministry of reconciliation. Our identity is royalty. Um, I was thinking about a story when um, Ben and I met on the mission field. We, we were in Cancun, and it wasn't the good part of Cancun. We were there for three months as a mission team, and we were in an apartment, no furniture, no dishes, like nothing, you know. We're like sitting on the floor. We had to believe for all of this stuff to come in, but we had to take a trip to Merida. Do you remember that trip, babe? I was thinking about this, and I hope this story lands well because I was thinking in my head and <laughs> I was really tired last night because we had kids till late. But in Merida, we had to go visit, and it was Ben and I, another girl, and another guy. There was four of us, right? And we ate at a little restaurant, and then we, somebody allowed us to use their house. And we ate at this restaurant. We came to this house. It was like a guest house. There was no air conditioning. It was so hot. It was infested with scorpions, like infested. So us girls had the top, and the, the boys were in the room below, and there's no doors anywhere, like not on restrooms or anything. It was just like a horrible situation. Well, me and this other girl, Lulu, got super sick. We got food poisoning. So we are throwing up, throwing up. Like, it's coming out both ends. I'm sorry to be graphic, but I just got to tell you. But there's scorpions everywhere. So we are taking turns fighting off scorpions so one of us can go to the bathroom. No door. I mean, so humbling. 
The boys are downstairs. We're so sick. There's scorpions going on. It's so hot, and we're doing ministry. One night of that, I woke up the next morning, and I looked at Ben, and I said, we're leaving. Like, we're leaving. And we found a Hyatt, right? Ben and I both pulled out our credit cards, and I said, I don't care how much it costs. Like, I didn't even care. We are not staying there. And then we were able to do ministry. Some people are like that house spiritually. They believe that the enemy is so big, like those scorpions, constantly fighting off the enemy, sick, hot, and this is suffering for the Lord. We were no good to anybody. I mean, I was so self-absorbed because I was so sick. I was so hot, and I was scared. I mean... (laughs) Uh, how could you even sleep? We're like, because I didn't know if a scorpion was going to come on me. But the Hyatt, <laughs> we are jumping on the bed. We are so happy to have running water. And I'm like, we are good to go. You, somebody needs reconciliation. Somebody needs prayer. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm saying this in the heart. Some people in the heart think that life with Jesus has to look like that house. And I am telling you, get out. The enemy is defeated. He has no power over us. Poverty is not from God. Sickness is not from God. And we don't do any good to anybody in that situation. You go get in the Hyatt in your heart and know who you are. So you are rested. You are well. You are wealthy. To reconcile people to Jesus. Thank you. (laughs) I do remember that trip. Babe, was that the first time you grabbed my hand? He said, we have to walk across a busy street. Let me grab my hand. He said, I need to take your hand. I was so scared. I didn't care. I was like, sure. (laughs) So smooth. I will say, I did like it. I did like it. We are called into priesthood, sons and daughters, but priesthood represents a friendship with God because when we are priests before the Lord, we are doing what Jesus Christ did. I'm telling you, we're going to rule and reign with Christ, but right now there is a world broken and hurting, and God needs us to lend our heart to him to hear what's on his heart. And it gets really overwhelming if we just try to fix it ourselves. I mean, There's problems all around us. So we need to know what God has called us to do. We don't just go and do. It's so overwhelming. I mean, I don't even turn on the news. But God, I'm going to lend my heart. Who am I called to influence? Who can I lay down? We lay down our lives for the Lord. All right, got to land this. Philippians 2 I'm not going to turn there, but it says that we need to take the same attitude as Christ. First of all, it says, don't be selfish and self-absorbed. Okay, you're good. You have everything you need. God will never let you live in lack unless you choose to. He has everything for you, so you're good. But take on the mind of Christ, who was God, but he laid down his life to serve people. This is the destiny. This is the season we're in. We're going to be in a season of streets of gold and mansions. We will never cry again. We will never be fearful again. We'll never see somebody hurting again when Jesus comes back. But for now, 
We lay aside so that we can reach people. And it gets messy being the priest before the Lord with people. But God heals every wound. Jesus is such an example of king and priest. I want to encourage you to grow in friendship with the Lord because there is such reward in that. I mean, there's, there's reward being sons and daughters of the Most High God. But we were created for so much more. We were created for the ministry of reconciliation. Like Nick's story. Nick, does it get better than that? Nick, was the, reaching that man, was that better than the $500 that you had in your car? <laughs> right? I mean, money's great. I, I'm thankful for money. My Christmas list is, God, I need money to pay off my parents' house. I need money for the orphanage. I mean, my Christmas list is about $2 million I'm believing for. Money's great. But nothing is better than seeing somebody healed, a heart mended, bringing somebody to the Lord. All of heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. I mean, there's a party in heaven. Nothing excites God's heart more when we love one another, when we serve one another, when we forgive and overlook an offense. Okay, maybe that's suffering for Christ. When you know you're right and you will overlook an offense, it pleases him so much. We love one another. We lead somebody to the Lord. We think out of ourselves because we become a friend of God. We sympathize. We feel the pain of God's heart. God has emotions. We think God is just this robotic being. We're created in the image of likeness of God. He gets upset. He laughs in the throne, the plans of the enemy. He laughs. He, he, Jesus grieved when he lost Lazarus. Like he, he has emotions, and Father God has emotions. And we can feel the emotions because we're one with him. It talks about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. It talks about in, um, let me find the scripture. I wrote this down because it was interesting. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Paul talks about how we're a body, right, with all different parts. And he said, when one of the parts is hurting, the whole body feels it. That same word is the word in Romans 17, 8, 17 about suffer. When one of us hurts, we feel it. What God is saying is he wants us to be so connected, and Jesus is the head, that when somebody's hurting, when there's something on God's heart, we're one with God, right? We've been grafted in, we're joined together, that we feel his heart, and he feels our heart. He knows the desires of your heart, and he loves to fulfill it. I'm telling you, he, he knows the small details, the small whispers. There's things that I've dreamt about, but I haven't even said out loud, and is manifested in my life. God's so good. I mean, I can just tell you story a story how God just loves to bless. But the same way we, we mature, we're mature adult kids, that we actually love and honor our Father God. And we want to know what's on his heart, too. And it's the ministry of reconciliation. He is not satisfied. He's not satisfied until the whole world is saved. That's his heart, that none should perish. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's pray. I want to challenge you in your time with the Lord. 
spend more time asking God what's on his heart than what you need because he knows what you need. And there's nothing wrong with telling the Lord what you need, but I'm just telling you he is on it. And it's powerful to confess and believe, and I know that. But spend time saying, God, let's talk about you this morning. (laughs) What's on your heart this morning? There's going to be somebody you call, somebody you text, somebody you pray for, somebody you give to. And it's going to bless him so much. But even more than that, you are going to feel so fulfilled. Being the priesthood, we're kings and priests. We're sons and friends. Being a friend of God. Knowing God's heart, sympathizing with him, feeling his pain. God, we just thank you that you've called us kings and priests. Sons and daughters and your friend. I want to be a friend to you, God. I want to be a safe place. We want to be a safe place for you, God, that you can tell us mysteries, secrets, dreams too. That we would fulfill the desires of your heart, God. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. I pray a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit that this week we will have testimonies of reconciling people back to you, God. We just thank you. We'll have overfilling joy and peace and power to release this week. I thank you that the enemy is defeated. We will not be taunted by the enemy like those scorpions. Sickness has to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are poor, that we might be rich. God, that you would give seed to the sower. We have more than enough to bless the people around us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.